Oh, good morning. How are you all this morning? Good. Well, welcome to TBA. My name is Dave Shive, and I am one of the pastors here. It's truly an honor to be with you here this morning. If you've been with us for the past few Sundays, we've been in our TBA series, and we've been talking about what it means to be a trusting, believing, and acting church. Um, and if you haven't been here for, the, for those messages, I would highly recommend that you go to our website, go to the media page, and download those messages and listen to them, because all of them have been very, very powerful, and I think God has been saying some really cool things to us as a church, and I don't want you to miss out on that. So if you haven't heard them, go download them and listen to them. But just to recap a little bit, we began about a month ago about talking about trusting. What does it mean to trust God in every area of your life. That trusting God in every area of your life means letting go of control and letting God guide your steps for your life. And then after that, Ed talked about not only do we need to trust God, but God trusts in us. God has a trust in us to spread the gospel uh, to the world around us, that there is no plan B. We are his plan. And that we needed to be praying for somebody in our life to share the gospel with. And then a couple of weeks ago, Brian Stiverson talked to you about believing, about believe, not just believing in the name of Jesus, but believing Jesus, believing him in a way that your faith, that's that mustard seed kind of faith, is growing and active and has those dangerous takeover properties where it takes over area, every area of your life and then spreads to those that are around you. And then last week, Brian Legg talked to us about the weeds that kind of grow up in our lives, that our belief systems are shaped by the things that we allow in our lives. And when we have those weeds in our lives, it stunts our growth, it keeps us from growing. And then we don't need to just trim those weeds back, we need to pull them out by the roots, even if it's very painful that we need to do that. So today we're going to continue in that, and we're going to be talking about acting, what does it mean to act as the church? Because acting is the natural response to trusting and believing. See, if you are trusting in God in every area of your life, if you're believing in a way that has those takeover properties with your faith, if you're willing to remove those weeds in your life so that your faith will grow, if you're doing all those things, then the natural response to that is an action. You're going to act. You're going to do something. Because when you act on that trust and belief, there's a harvest that happens. And you're able to reap this amazing harvest. Because without acting, there is no evidence of trusting and believing. There's no evidence of it. And unfortunately, the church, the church in America is not doing a very good job of reaping the harvest that is before us. See, churches all over America are rapidly declining. 93% of churches in America, listen to this, 93% of churches in America did not add a single new member to their church last year outside of those that were born into the church with currently attending parents. 93%. In the last five years, 10,000 churches in America closed their doors forever. In church attendance, it is, it's at an all-time low in our country. I mean, the latest statistics say that less than 20%, less than 20% of Americans attend church on a regular basis. And the percentage of those who claim a Christian affiliation has dropped 33% in the last five years. 
Where is the church? Where's the church? I mean, if statistics say that three out of four people don't have a faith-saving relationship with Jesus Christ, then why is the church not growing? Because the harvest is there. So why is the church not growing? I believe it's because we're not acting as the church. Jesus said this in Luke 10. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. See, this baffles me. It just does. I mean, as the church in America, we have by far more financial resources than any other country. I mean, we're loaded with people that God has given amazing talent to. We have them all throughout the church. And we have people all around us who are in a desperate need for hope. But we're not growing. I mean, we have such huge potential as the church. But unfortunately, much of that potential is not being leveraged for God's kingdom. We have the people. I mean, we have the talent and we have the resources. We just aren't going into the fields. I don't get it. How many of you follow college basketball? How many of you like basketball? I love basketball. And it's March. It's my favorite time of the year because all the tournaments are starting. And there's nothing more fun to me than following college basketball. Now, Florida is the number one team in the nation this year. Any Florida fans? Or are you just about football? They're the number one team in the nation. And they look really good. They do. They look like they can go all the way this year and win the tournament. But do you know who the number one ranked basketball program of all time is? Does anybody know who that is? Huh? Anybody know? Yes, it's Kentucky. Yes, the greatest basketball program of all time. Kentucky has more all-time wins than any other team. They have the highest winning percentage of any team in the country. They've won eight NCAA championships, 15 Final Four appearances, 53 tournament appearances, 52 regular season titles. So Kentucky has a long history of winning, and they are expected to win. Believe me, as a huge Kentucky fan, growing up in Kentucky, the expectations for Kentucky is high every single year. They are expected to win every single year. And as a coach or a player, if you do not win in Kentucky, you don't stay around for very long. You just don't. And I've got to be honest with you. I'm really disappointed in my team this year. I really am. They have had the number one recruiting class for the last two years. The last two years, they've, they've, they're the number one top recruiting class. But for some reason, the players that they have on their team just do not have the fire and the passion and the commitment in them to do what it takes to win. I just don't get it. I don't understand it. They have all the talent in the world, but they can't win. They've lost to four unranked teams this year. And it's crazy to me. Sadly, I feel like the church in America is exactly the same way. We have all the talent and the potential in the world. We have the best coach in Jesus Christ, but yet there seems to be a lack of fire and passion in the church. There seems to be a lack of commitment to God's message in the church. Why is that? 
While doing a research for his book, Revolution, George Barna found some very shocking statistics about the state of the church in America today. I want to share some of them with you. He said that attendance at worship services by believers' own admission generally is the only time that they worship God. And that a typical church believer will die, listen to this, a typical church believer will die without sharing Christ with somebody. Oh, that breaks my heart. At any given time, a majority of believers don't have a person that they're praying for about sharing Christ. Most church Christians believe since they're not gifted in evangelism, it's not their responsibility but yet the Bible tells us that we all have to go and make disciples. Although the typical believer does believe that the Bible is accurate in what it teaches, they spend less time reading the Bible in a year than watching TV, listening to music, or reading other books. The most significant influence on the choices that believers make is not the teaching from the pulpit, not what they get from other believers, but the messages that they absorb through the media. When asked what constitutes success in life, few believers define it in spiritual terms. Most describe the outcome related to professional achievements or physical accomplishments or things that they've acquired. That's why last week Brian talked about who do people say that I am? Do I reflect Jesus? When given the opportunity to state how they want to be known by others, fewer than one out of ten believers mentioned descriptions that reflect their relationship with God. Christians gave away an average of 3% of their income in a typical year, and they felt very pleased about their sacrificial generosity. But yet the secular average is 2.3%. That means those outside of the church are given to charity 2.3% of their income. So we beat them by 0.7%. Yeehaw. Fewer than one out of ten churched Christians donated 10% of their income, although a third of them say that they did. In a typical week, one out of four believers will allocate some time to serving other people. Fewer than one out of six has a relationship with another believer through which spiritual accountability is provided. And the typical believer would rather give money to an organization and allow it to do good deeds instead of doing it themselves. We are not acting like the church. There is a lack of fire and passion in the church today. I mean, do these statistics trouble you? I mean, do they? Because they should. They should. I mean, we've got to wake up and we've got to pay attention because we're losing the battle on every front in America. Culture is dictating the standard of right and wrong instead of God's word. Most Christians can name their ten favorite movies, but they can't name ten books in the Bible. For the first time in America, we have a generation of kids growing up with little to no exposure to God's word. And of those kids that do come to church, listen to this, of those kids that do come, half of them, half of them will leave and walk away from their faith and never come back. Where is our fire? Where is our passion? 
According to Barna, those Christians that do have that fire and passion, they are leaving the local church in droves because they find the church indifferent and irrelevant and ineffective. See, they want to see lives changed. They want to see people come to that faith-saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And they want people to join in with them. But what they find in the local church is people that are just about themselves, what they can get out of it, instead of people who are about spreading God's word. So they get fed up and they leave. And I don't blame them. I don't. As a matter of fact, Barna says if we don't change, if the church in America doesn't change, if the trends stay true, by the year 2025, almost 10 years from now, the church will be non-existent in America. We cannot let that happen. We have to be a church that is acting as the hands and feet of Jesus. And when I say we, I mean we, this church, TBA, has to be a church that is actively bringing hope and salvation to a world that desperately needs it. We have to be a church that is actively devoting ourselves to living for God's purpose and his plan. We have to be a church that comes together collectively in unity and uses our immense time, talent, and resources to accomplish amazing things for the glory of God. There is a world dying around us. Your co-workers, your neighbors, your friends, some of your family, they're all going to suffer eternal punishment if we don't do something about it. Are you out there? Does it weigh heavy on your heart? It does mine. Because we don't have any excuses. And if we don't leverage what we have for God's kingdom, what are we going to say when we stand before God? Because the only thing that we can say is we've wasted it all. And I don't want to say that. It scares me to death to think that I have to stand before God and say, God, I just wasted it all. I'm sorry. Jesus said, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his field. You need to know that as pastors of this church, we have been fervently praying for workers. We believe the harvest in this community is great. We believe that God wants to do something amazing here. We know that we have all the resources. We know that we have everything we need to accomplish the vision that God's given us. We know that revival can take place here in Lakeland. We know that because the gospel of Jesus Christ is powerful and it changes lives. We just need workers to spread it. That means all of us have to get involved. And when I say involved, I don't mean just going and doing your own individual thing. Listen to me. I think it's great that God has given us all individual passions and callings. And we need to be obedient to the things that God has called us to. But at the same time, God has called us to come together collectively to do something as a group of believers that we could never accomplish on our own. Hebrews 10 says this, 
It says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another, to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. See, it's important that you belong to a body of believers. We're not meant to live our faith alone. We're not meant to be isolated from each other. The idea of believers living independently of the local church is totally foreign to the New Testament readers. See, almost every epistle in the New Testament is addressed to a local church. And books like First and Second Timothy, Titus and Philemon, they were all addressed to key leaders in the church. Even James, that was addressed to Christians who were scattered by persecution, makes the assumption that they're meeting secretly somewhere as a church. We need each other to motivate us to greater acts of love and good works. We need each other for encouragement and support. We need each other to help our faith grow. We need each other for accountability, instruction, and direction. Look at what it says later on in Hebrews 13. It says, remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are held accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not sorrow. See, I believe, I believe that belonging to a local church is crucial to living a life without compromise. It's only through the local church that believers can receive the kind of teaching, accountability, and encouragement that is necessary for them to become all that God has called them to be. You just can't do these things on your own. You need to belong to a local church. But it's more than just belonging. Listen to me. It's more than just coming here on Sunday morning. It's about putting deep roots down and buying into the vision and the direction that God has for this church. And listen, if the vision that God has given TBA doesn't line up with you, then you need to find a church where their vision lines up with you. And you need to get involved there. There's no hard feelings on our part. There's not. We just want you plugged in with a local church somewhere serving to fulfill God's purpose and vision for that church. Why is that so important? Because unity with other believers is our greatest testimony. See, one of the most powerful things to the world is a community of diverse people getting along with each other. Loving each other, forgiving each other, being patient with each other, and preserving through things that are tough. Just think of how many broken communities there are in our world. Think of how many divided communities there are. There are broken marriages, broken families, church divisions, nations that war against each other, institutions breaking up. The list goes on and on and on. The world is filled with broken and divided communities because of how sin affects all of our relationships. But how beautiful is it? I mean, how beautiful must it be for the world to see a group of Christian believers made up of all kinds of quirky and sinful people coming together, loving each other, and persevering through all kinds of trials and conflicts. Yes, you may be able to do some amazing things individually, and the world might notice and respect you, 
But you need to also know that atheists and people of other religion also do amazing things. And people might just conclude that they're the exception to the rule. But the one thing that other religions cannot produce is the kind of loving community that the gospel produces. Look at what Jesus prays in John 17 right before he goes to the cross. He says this, I pray that they will all be one. Just as you and I are one, and you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us, so that the world will believe you sent me. Does it mean that everything's going to go the way you think it should go? Probably not. But Jesus humbled himself to become a servant for us. And he's given us the ability to do the same. Does it mean that you might get hurt along the way? Yep. There's a really good chance of that. But because we have been, been forgiven of so much, Jesus has given us the ability to forgive when we are offended. Does it mean that the church is perfect? No, it doesn't. Because we're all broken and sin has an effect in our lives, but we are made perfect through the blood of Jesus Christ. So get involved. Put roots down deep. Commit to the vision of this church because we need every person to be a part. God has given each of us a talent. He has put a brush in each of our hands and he is expecting us to be kingdom painters. See, in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about the body of Christ and he talks about how the body needs each other part of the body. That when the body misses out on another part of the body, it suffers. See, if the body doesn't have an eye, then the body doesn't function so well. In essence, what he's saying is the body suffers when you don't participate. When you say, I'm going to do my own thing outside of the church, outside of the vision of the church, the body suffers. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with you doing what God calls you to do individually. But you have to remember that you also have a responsibility to this body of Christ. And if what God calls you to do individually doesn't fit with the vision here at this church, then maybe you're at the wrong church. I know it sounds harsh, and we don't want you to leave. We don't. We want you to stay here. But I believe that God has called us all together for a single purpose and a single vision. And there has to be a level of organization to it. If we all just did our own thing, how confusing would that be? I mean, imagine, that. let's say that during worship, instead of singing the songs that the band sings, let's just all choose to sing our own song. How crazy would that be? It would be mass chaos, and I don't think it would be very worshipful to God. That's, we, that's why we're called to unity. We're called to unity not just in worship, but unity in service and unity in vision as well. Look at what Paul says to the church in Corinth. They were having a problem with order. And Paul says, so here's what I want you to do. 
When you gather for worship, each one of you be prepared for something that will be useful for all. Sing a hymn, teach a lesson, tell a story, lead a prayer, provide an insight. If prayers are offered in tongues, two or three is the limit, and then only if someone is present who can interpret what you're saying. Otherwise, keep it between God and yourself. And no more than two or three speakers at a meeting with the rest of you listening and taking it to heart. Take your turn, no one person taking over, then each speaker gets a chance to say something special from God and all of you will learn from it. And if you choose to speak, you're responsible for how and when you speak. When we worship the right way, God does not stir us up into confusion, but he brings us into harmony. This goes for all churches. No exception. We have to be in unity. Unity in worship, unity in service, and unity in vision as well. The other way the body suffers is when you don't attend here faithfully. See, when coming to church isn't a priority and you miss more often than you attend, the body of Christ suffers. And I'm not trying to be legalistic about your attendance. I'm just telling you, it has an effect. It has an effect on the body of Christ when you're not here. When you refuse to reserve and get involved in things like children's ministry, it has a huge effect. And the body suffers because others have to take up the slack and their burden is heavier on them. And then our children miss out on your wisdom and your love. See, I look at it this way. Each one of us has been given a brush by God. And God expects us to paint. He expects us to paint with that brush. But when we don't, we might not think it's a big deal until you step back and you look at the bigger masterpiece that God's creating. Because God holds all of us in his hand. And we just become a bristle in that massive masterpiece of a brush that God holds. But what happens when a lot of those bristles aren't painting? What does the masterpiece look like? It looks unfinished and incomplete. We all have to be painting. I'm going to ask the band to come up now. And as they come up, I want to ask you a question. Why are you here? Why are you here at TBA? Is it because of what you can get out of it? Or is it because you buy into what God wants to do here? If you're not involved here, why? Why aren't you? Get involved today. Don't be passive about it. Don't wait for somebody to come and invite you. Take initiative. Do it on your own. Figure out how to get involved. Push until you get involved. Don't take no for an answer. Figure it out. Even if it's difficult, keep persevering. Get involved. Be willing to do whatever it takes. There are so many areas that need your type of brush at this church. Children's ministry. We need teachers. We need them bad. We need parent partners. Youth ministry. We need mentors. We need organizers. The tech team, if you know media, video, sound, we need people. Small groups need coaches. They need leaders. They need hosts. Celebration ministries, like organizing the Halloween event, leading baptism parties, we need those. 
compassion ministries like the food bank, visiting people in the hospital, taking care of the needs of those in our church, helping our single moms, doing construction and automotive repair. It's funny because in between service, Sharon Gelsinger, she leaves our meal train ministry. She was talking to me about how hard it is to get people just to make a meal and send to somebody who needs it. That's an easy thing that everybody in here can do. Just do it. Men's ministry, women's ministry, office help, the list goes on and on and on. There's no excuse for you not to be involved. Find a place and jump in. If you don't know where there is a good fit for you, let us know. We'll help you. We'll help you find a place where your passion and talent intersects. Either way, if you're willing to get involved, I want you to write it on your connection card. Write on your connection card an area that you want to help in. If you're just willing to help anywhere, write that. If you don't know where, write, I don't know where to start. We'll help you. Whatever you do, just don't sit back and do nothing. Or the church will be gone. We have been called to be kingdom painters. And God is expecting us to paint. If you're here today and you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ, I want you to know that you are in the right place. I know this message has been specific to our family, but I hope you see how passionate we are about you knowing who Jesus Christ is and knowing why he means so much to us. And I want you to know that God is pursuing you with everything. And he loves you more than you could ever know. And it doesn't matter what's happened in your past. It doesn't matter what you've done. God loves you. And he loves you so much that he's made a way for you to be right with him today. And all you have to do is accept his free gift of salvation. And you can be right with God. If that's where you're at today, as the band plays, I want you to come up front and talk with me about it. Pray with me about it, because I want to help you on that journey in following Christ. For the rest of us, I pray that God is working on our hearts. I pray that he is showing us the responsibility that we have as the church, as this body of believers here at TBA. It's time for action. So we need to act. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you have provided us with all the talent and all the resources and all the things that we need to accomplish your vision. God, I pray that we would not be passive and sit on the sidelines. God, I pray that you would pour a passion into each of us to serve you with all that we are, to give our whole lives over to you. Father, help us to be obedient to the things that you call us to. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, Vision 15. Um, tell them who you are. What's your name? I'm Olivia Gelsinger. And tell them how old you are. I'm nine. She's nine years old. Now, Olivia, I understand you like to draw. Is that correct? Yes. How much do you like to draw? A lot. <laughs> how much is a lot? A lot, a lot, a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. Yes. She loves to draw all the time. She's my little Picasso. You ask her mom and dad, she draws constantly. Is that your picture up there? 
Yes. That is. And then the next one, is that you? Whoops, go back. And then is that a you? Is that a picture of you that you drew? Yes. So it's like a selfie. She cut it in half and then drew the other half. One of the things for Olivia, she's um, amazingly talented at age nine. And one of the things that I've been really putting upon her or pressing upon her and encouraging her is that God has given her this amazing talent and then she needs to start using that for God's kingdom. This is the Christmas card that we've sent out. It's TBA, and Olivia did that for us. She was able to draw that. Um, and what you also did something else. You did what else did you do? There was something you did in downtown Lakeland. What was that? Um, it was the Chalk for Charity Festival. It's Chalk for Charity, right? So she had to raise money just to be able to draw on the ground. How much money did you raise? So she was able to raise $175. She raised enough money to to provide a wheelchair for somebody who did not have the ability to buy a wheelchair. And you came in what place? Second. Yay, second place. She came in second place. So I asked Olivia to come on the stage today, and as her act of worship, I asked her to draw. Now, I want you to remember, she's nine years old, and this is what she drew today, okay? And here's the thing, (laughs) if a nine-year-old girl can use her talent for God's kingdom, then we as adults have no excuse. We have none. Because she is being the church. She is acting as the church, using what God has gifted her with, the passion that he's put inside of her, and she's using it to tell the world about Jesus Christ. If a nine-year-old can lead this church then all of us can get involved. So I pray that you get involved. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Olivia. Thank you that she has a heart and a desire and a passion, not just for art, God, but a desire and a passion to serve you with all that she is. God, I pray that she's an example to each of us and that we would follow her example, God, and live our lives committed to your gospel, committed to using everything that we have for your kingdom. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys have a great day.